Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss an environmentally friendly ketchup bottle, a song for the age we're living in, and a pre-written thank you card that'll make you smile. Condiments, content, and connections. Oh my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. A few episodes ago, we talked about a remarkable story that Will Gadara tells in his book, Unreasonable Hospitality, where he and his team at 11 Madison Park served a hot dog in a fine dining restaurant. As I recall, Dan, you took offense at the idea of serving a hot dog with ketchup. I got to ask, I never knew this before. Are you anti-ketchup? Well, you see, Joey, this is really a result of being a born and bred Chicagoan. Because in Chicago, which of course is known for its hot dogs, it is considered rude, crude, and socially unacceptable to put ketchup on a hot dog. In fact, one of my favorite signs that I captured a photo of at a a hot dog restaurant says, notice, it is considered bad manners and harmful to your taste buds to put ketchup on your hot dog within the city limits of Chicago. That is something I did not know about Chicago or you. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely a thing. Now, to be fair, I don't mind ketchup on a hot dog. But I got to tell you, it depends on on whom I'm with because... There are certain people out there that if, you, if you're caught putting in ketchup on a hot dog, whew, they're going to let you have it. Well, I'm not sure if this uh, CX Press is going to resonate as much with you, Dan, uh, given what you just shared about your relationship with ketchup. But nonetheless, I found it to be an interesting article and it sparked some fun thoughts about customer experience for me. The article comes from fastcompany.com and was written by Adele Peters. It's titled, Why Heinz Spent 185,000 Hours Redesigning This Ketchup Bottle Cap. And it opens with this context-setting overview. And I quote, In Heinz's squeezable upside-down ketchup bottle, the plastic cap is designed to dispense a standard blob of sauce without spilling. It works, but it can't easily be recycled. So the Kraft Heinz company decided to design an alternative. Nine years later, after 185,000 hours of product development, $1.2 million in investment, and 45 different iterations, 
a new design, will be rolling out in the UK within the next couple of months. The article goes on to relate that the original cap design used a flexible silicone valve, which wasn't easy to recycle and required separating the silicone from the rest of the cap, something that most recycling plants couldn't do. And when they did, the silicone would then need to be sent to yet another recycling facility, of which there's only one recycling facility in the United States that handles silicone. Now, this challenge was indeed daunting. A cap that could provide the exact proportion and the right amount while still protecting the ketchup and keeping it in the bottle when not in use. I got two things to add here. First of all, 185,000 hours is over 21 years. (laughs) That's a lot of time. It's a lot of of product development time. Holy moly. And the other thing is, I just want to clarify something from before. I am not anti-ketchup. I like ketchup. (laughs) But ketchup in Chicago is not put on a hot dog. Give me a hamburger. You got it. I love it. But not on a hot dog. Anyway, uh, this clearly was not a simple problem. After external partners couldn't come up with a solution, Heinz brought the problem back in-house to an internal R&D or research and development team. The final design is made from a single material, polypropylene, with two parts. When a customer squeezes the bottle, the proper amount is dispensed. When they let go, the air rushes back in, controlling the amount and preparing the bottle for its next use. Now, because it's made of a single material, it can easily be recycled with other things made from polypropylene, like yogurt cups. And this same approach can be used with caps for other types of products. Like shampoo. Exactly. And there will be another instance where Dan is not using the product we're talking about in this segment. Hey, but anyway, but anyway the good, remark. <laughs> but the good news is it's going to all work out okay. What I think is even more interesting about this story is that Heinz is considering sharing this design with their competitors in an effort to increase sustainability and recyclability across the entire consumer product space instead of just limiting it to themselves. And I got to say, I love this for a number of reasons, Uh, not the least of which is everything doesn't have to be a competition, friends. We can all agree that working together to make the planet a better place is kind of a good thing that we should get behind. And even though Heinz spent, as Dan said, over 20 years of human hours, right? Nine years of actual time, 20 plus years of human hours, 185,000 to be exact, and over a million dollars. I love that they are moving towards this type of sustainability innovation and thinking about ways to not only make the customer experience better with the bottle, but more importantly, to make the overall environmental experience of creating these bottles better for everyone. Yeah, I I really like this. I, I know what you're talking about because I have bought this Heinz ketchup bottle, at least the US version that may not be completely recyclable. And I've seen, I, I noticed this, this squeezer thing that, you know, it, when you squeeze it, it comes out. And then when you let go, it kind of snaps back a little bit, which is great because if you think about something like toothpaste or shampoo or other types of things where there's always it, it always drips and there's a mess and all that. So I think there's a very practical use for it. And then yeah, I think the certainly the planet helping piece is great and and why not share that with somebody else? I I'm not sure that somebody's going to choose their ketchup based on 
the environmental friendliness of the little tiny piece of plastic in the squeezer. I mean, that's that's getting you know pretty specific. So I I, I think kudos to Heinz for being willing to put it out there. I agree, and you know, if you think about other things like squeezable yogurt or toothpaste or shampoo, the other items you were mentioning. I think being able to have almost a universal cap that succeeds with smaller quantity dispensing, which with two young boys at home, uh, the fact that it limits how much ketchup comes out with each squeeze, that would be a big win in our house. But also something that is more environmentally conscious, I think works really well. I'm also intrigued by this idea of investing your research and development dollars in things that have a more broad-based impact, i.e. environmental sustainability, even though they may not be specifically in response to a customer request or a customer enhancement. I doubt somebody was writing in saying, hey, I really don't like the idea that we can't properly recycle these caps. But the fact that the sustainability team at Heinz was thinking more broadly about this shows that every effort to make the customer experience better doesn't necessarily have to be a direct correlation to the customer experience. Sometimes a broader-based trend in the customer experience can also be worth investing in and paying attention to. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, innovation for innovation's sake doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you are working on innovation and it improves your product, it improves the perception that customers have of your brand, and also possibly has a positive impact on society, then then yeah, this is a great investment. Now, 21 years, oh, I mean, I don't know. I've, I'd like to see the ROI calculation on that, but I definitely like it in concept. Look, friends, we understand you probably don't manufacture ketchup bottles. In fact, you may not manufacture anything. But you do get to decide how you invest your research and development dollars. And as the year draws to a close and you start to think about where you want to put your attention and focus in the year to come and beyond, it might be worth looking at how your R&D budget aligns with customer taste, customer desires, and even customer trends. Sustainability is going to continue to be part of the consumer conversation. And if you want to avoid being squeezed out by the competition, <laughs> I see what you did there, Joey. Maybe you should get creative with how you invest your innovation dollars. We love telling stories and sharing key insights you can implement or avoid based on our experiences. Can you believe that this just happened? We are beyond lucky to have fans of the experience this show all around the world. And we love hearing from you. Recently, Dan and I got tagged in a listener's post on LinkedIn, and we were so enamored with this person's approach to creating great CX content that we had to do a segment and feature them. Our guy, Ryan Anderson, is a marketing specialist in the UK who helps people who struggle with creating content. People often don't know what content to create or how to make it attention-grabbing, interesting, educational, fun, and engaging and that's where Ryan steps in. He helps edit video and audio content. He creates custom graphics. He provides tips, tricks, and tutorials. And he practices what he preaches. 
Here's a selection from a piece that Ryan created lamenting the state of so many websites today when it comes to the experience visitors have when they reach the site, can't find what they were looking for, and decide to bounce. Or as Ryan would say, this is what happens before I go. Came by your website like everyone else. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you because all your pop-ups are hell. My every moment from when I arrive is filled with thoughts that you don't want me to leave here alive. Do you think that people like this sign up when our connection's cold? You gotta give before I'm so old. So Gosh, this is so catchy. You can see why I called Ryan our guy. It just speaks to the behavior of so many brands that make that first interaction less than positive. We get to a website, we can't find what we're looking for. And the next thing we know, a pop-up interrupts the visit and almost demands that we sign up. It's so true, Dan. You know, I love that lyric where he says, before I go, was there something you could have done to make this whole thing better? Was there something you could have said to help me with my searching? Yes to both above. And now I'm left here hurting. I mean, it was just such a relatable experience where we're like, how did no one realize at this company that the experience of going to the website was confusing, annoying, and in many ways, counterproductive to what my goals were as a new visitor? You know, I have referenced my time at Discover Card many, many times during our 10 seasons here on Experience This. But this particular thing, the pop-up ad, actually is really, really resonating with me. And let me tell you why. As I've probably mentioned before, I used to teach my team that no one wakes up in the morning wanting to go to their credit card website. I mean, let's just be honest, right? That's just a true fact. And once you acknowledge that, then you can create a different kind of experience. And when I got to Discover, the experience involved putting pop-ups in front of people because we wanted them to stay on the site as long as we could. And we thought that we could market something else to them. And if only a few you know, percentage points of people took it up, then it was a great deal. And I remember having the conversation with the marketing team and saying, look, this is not a good experience. People come to the website. They want to be there and get and leave as quickly as possible. No one wants to stick around. And the marketing department would say, yeah, but we have a 6% conversion rate on this pop-up ad. That's amazing. And I would say, <laughs> yeah, that means you've pissed off 94% of our customers. <laughs> because like, we got to look at this from the broader perspective. I won that argument and we got rid of the pop-ups and customer satisfaction 
skyrocketed. It is one of those things, Dan, where only paying attention to the conversion rates from the positive aspect is really short-sighted if you are annoying, irritating, or even just frustrating customers that aren't converting in that way. You know, I think when people think about visiting a website, they do it for a number of very discrete reasons. They either go to learn about a product or a service. They go to find a phone number so they can actually call or connect with someone at the organization. And of course, they go to get initial pricing information, which interestingly enough, brings us to the second verse of Ryan's song. You show me no prices, not even a guide. And little by little by little, I feel like I'm dying inside. It's not much you ask for, just give me a clue. But no, because you'd rather have me on a phone call with you. Do you think that these lyrics and I think they're aimed at B2B companies because B2B companies are notorious for not giving you any prices, not even a guide. And little by little, I feel like I'm dying inside. If the one thing that people are coming to your site for is to find out the price and you refuse to tell them the price, what do you think happens next? They go somewhere else. Well, not only that, but the next line in Ryan's parody song, I think iterates the justification that so many organizations use. You know, he says, just give me a clue, but no, because you'd rather have me on a phone call with you, right? This idea of, well, if we hide our prices, then they have to call us, to your point, or they don't call us. I think this keeps bringing us back to that all important question that every business should be asking, which is, Do you think that people like this? Do they like the way we are doing things? And the reality is often they don't. So I can't decide what I like better, the the catchiness of the tune and his singing or the fact that the content is just so relatable. 
I agree, Dan, and that is a great conundrum to be in. You know, interestingly enough, I gave a speech last week to an audience of about 70 business owners, and I asked them how many of them had their prices on the website. About 10 to 15% of the audience raised their hand. And then I asked them how many people found it annoying to go to a website and not be able to find any pricing information. And 100% of the audience raised their hand. Of right? course, of course. Put your pricing on your websites, people. This is not rocket surgery, as they say. Well, and this is... I, I like to say that this is about looking at your business from the customer's perspective. Too often, we look at it from our own perspective. And I kind of equate it to standing in front of a mirror. You're facing one direction and the reflection is facing back at you. In business, we have to be able to face the direction the customers are facing to see what they're seeing. Otherwise, we make mistakes like this audience where we say, well, as a customer, we don't like when there's no prices, but we've never actually been on our own website as a customer seeing that there's no prices and experiencing that frustration. There is definitely something to be said for doing regular audits of your marketing materials from the shoes of your customer and from the shoes of your prospect. And I make that distinction because I think lots of times we think, well, if someone's already a customer, the ongoing communications with them, those are fine because price will just come up or we'll be able to answer that. No, this needs to be, you know, kind of involved in every aspect of our communications, not just the communications that are focusing on our prospects. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it, it once we have customers. I mean, we talk all the time. This is what our podcast is about, is making the experience a great one for your existing customers as well. And yeah, they might give you a little more rope. But if every time you log on to their website, you can't find what you're looking for, or you're hit with a pop-up or some sort of other distraction, at some point, you're going to choose to go somewhere else. And so I think this is just as critical for existing customers as prospects. I so agree with you, Dan, and I agree with Ryan. If you enjoyed this segment, there is more where this came from. Go find Ryan Anderson on LinkedIn at Ryan Mark Anderson and check out his catchy tunes and smile about all of the creativity that can be brought to bear when navigating the world of customer experience through the lens of songs that are tongue-in-cheek. Are you tired of not knowing the answer to customer questions? Do you wish everyone on your customer support team had a high level of subject matter expertise so they could respond to customers efficiently and accurately? If so, maybe it's time for you to swarm. Hello, this is Jason at Acme Solutions. How can I help you? Uh, hello, my name is Thomas Simpson. 
And I purchased a bunk bed at one of your stores. And when I got home, it didn't have any assembly directions. Can you help me with that? Absolutely. Was that the Sleep Comfort 3000? Why, yes, it was. Perfect. You can actually find those instructions on our website under the heading Assembly. Or if you give me your email address, I'd be happy to send you a PDF of the instructions. That would be great. It's tsimpson2379 at gmail.com. Great. The directions are on your way, Mr. Simpson. I also had a question about your sofas. Is that something you can help with? I can certainly try. Do you know when you're going to have the Slate Gray Seat Comfort 4000 in stock in your Denver store? Or do you need to connect me with someone in that store? Well, actually, I should be able to figure that out for you if you're willing to just give me a moment. I have absolutely no idea what the stocking schedule is for our Denver location. I better swarm. Ah, perfect. Aiden from the Denver store has joined my swarm. Let me ask about the sofa. Great. They're expecting a shipment Wednesday. Perfect. Oh, and well, that's interesting. Aiden just shared that they're having their store's annual customer appreciation party in three weeks, and everything will be 15% off. That's some great information to have. Mr. Simpson? You can call me Thomas. Well, thanks, Thomas. I've got good news for you. The Denver store is expecting five Slate Gray Seat Comfort 4000 sofas to arrive next Wednesday. So if it's urgent, you can pick one up starting that afternoon. But if you can wait, in three weeks, they're having their annual customer appreciation party, and you'll be able to get 15% off everything in the store. So that discount might be worth waiting for. Wow, I really appreciate the heads up on the discount. I had no idea that was coming, and I'm so glad you shared that. In fact, while we're at it, I have one more question. Swarming is a framework that allows your support team to draw on the collective knowledge of your entire enterprise. Think of it like a beehive. When an agent initiates a swarm, Caveo's AI-powered software instantly identifies the best subject matter experts in your organization. These experts, think of them as bees, gather in a dedicated Slack channel to workshop a solution in real time. Like a group of bees, they collaborate to produce the best honey. Once they've identified the best answer, the bees go back to their other tasks, leaving behind not only the golden answer you seek, but a honeycomb-like framework that makes answering questions like this easier and faster next time. Swarming is a great way to answer any questions that your customers have, even when they keep adding questions to their queue. To find the sweet solutions your customer service team needs, visit get.coveo.com slash experience this. That's G-E-T dot C-O-V-E-O dot com slash experience this, where you can access an ebook with an overview of how swarming works and schedule a demo to see how swarming can help your team deliver better customer and agent experiences. Sometimes, a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. Dan, have you ever heard of Wicked Uncle? I don't think I have, although I might have one or two wicked <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. I hadn't heard of the company either, but after an interaction I had the other day, 
I have to admit, I wanted to learn more. So to set the scene for you, it was my youngest son's birthday. And he received a package from his aunt, my sister-in-law, and her family that came from Wicked Uncle, which bills itself as the, quote, home of brilliant children's presence. The gifts inside were artfully wrapped in dinosaur wrapping paper, no less. And the Lego-related STEM kits inside were a huge hit with my son. But I noticed a little postcard in the bottom of the box. Of course you did, being a good customer experience guy. Tell us more, Joey. Well, the front of the postcard had an illustration of two little kids and an adult with a message that said, Wicked Uncle, Gifts Kids Love. The front of the card had space set aside for a stamp and was pre-addressed to my sister-in-law, the sender of the gift. They had printed out a label with her mailing address and affixed it to the front of the postcard. Now, when I flipped the postcard over, on the back, it read as follows. Dear blank, and it had a space where you could fill in a name. Thank you for my present from Wicked Uncle. It was brilliant, great, fun. And then you could circle the relevant word depending on what you wanted. I love it, like it, have already broken it. I hope you're having a nice time. We are fine. See you soon with lots of love and then a space to sign your name. And then at the bottom of the postcard, it had the Wicked Uncle URL and a message that said, what is orange and sounds like a parrot? A carrot. Ha 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 ha. You know, that is absolutely brilliant. Is it, is, is it brilliant, the, the wicked uncle or the corny dad joke? It's kind of the combination of both, right? Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't commenting on the carrot joke. <laughs> I was commenting on the whole thing, on the, on the thank you card. First of all, kids these days, you know, they don't even send thank you cards anymore. So I love that they're making that not so subtle suggestion. The fact that it's pre-addressed, because let me tell you, even teenagers don't know how to address envelopes and postcards. So your kid is younger than that great. It's pre-addressed. All you got to do is throw a stamp on it. I think it is brilliant. And the thing is, is I'll bet your sister-in-law doesn't know that that was in the package. And so it kind of ends up a surprise for her too. And that's great because she's the customer, right? She's not the end user, but she is the one that paid for the gift. And so I'm thinking she gets that thank you card back and she's like, man, I'm buying more from this company when I have gifts to give. Dan, that is exactly my assessment when I saw the card. And here's the crazy thing. We opened all the gifts last night and, you know, kind of had the birthday party. And I've got the card set aside for tomorrow to actually sit down with my son, have him circle the relevant parts and write his name and write his aunt's name on the card and send it out. And I agree with you. Not only is it proactive in helping to get that thank you note written, I now found myself thinking with all the other gifts, why didn't they include a thank you note? Which is pretty cool when your customer experience can start to shift people's thinking about all the other interactions they're having within your vertical, in this case, toys. I also thought that an aspect of this that was very special was the confirmational nature. Now, obviously, with a gift coming from his aunt, 
we called up my sister-in-law and you know thanked her for the gift and thanked her family for the gift and you know were appropriately uh, appreciative digitally if you will but if for example you were maybe sending a gift to someone that was a little more of a distant relation or a client or something like that where you find yourself wondering did they ever get it this is a really easy way for the recipient to confirm receipt and to do it with a thank you note that's playful and tongue-in-cheek and fun. And if you'll notice, the text of the card didn't reference a birthday. It didn't reference Christmas or Hanukkah or any other type of celebration. It just acknowledged the gift. So what I love about it is they can use that same postcard year-round and the recipient can put whatever type of a seasonal spin on it as they reconnect back to the sender and in many ways reinforce the relationship of the Wicked Uncle brand with both parties. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you, one of the things I really like about this is that getting your kids to write thank you notes is a big chore. They don't like writing them. And frankly, receiving thank you notes from kids it ain't the most fun thing either, right? You know, it's like, dear Dan, thanks for the gift. I love it. Love Sam. You know, it's like, okay, throw that in the recycling bin. But as a recipient, you know, the gift giver is getting an experience out of this, which I think is really the most valuable part. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to know more after you sit down with your son, whether does he think it's funny? Does it even sort of resonate with him? Does he know that it's saving him time because he gets to just circle a couple of things instead of having to write a thank you note? You know, when he writes it to his other aunt or uncle, he's going to have to write the whole thank you note. And that's not going to be fun. Uh, and so there is a benefit certainly for the, uh, the gift recipient. Uh, but I actually, I love how well thought through this was in terms of closing the loop on the buying experience. Because yeah, you hit on it. Sometimes we send gifts. I mean, certainly in business, do it all the time. I send gifts. I never hear from people. I, I All I know is the UPS uh, tracking says that it was delivered and I never hear anything back. So it is nice to hear something back. But also to get something that maybe isn't that thing you take out and immediately throw in the recycling bin, but at least you get a little chuckle. I love it. I agree. It's fun. It's playful. And to reiterate your point, my youngest son is seven and he's a lefty. And writing long thank you notes is not something he's super excited about because obviously he's just kind of in the learning stages of writing. So especially for the age appropriateness of the gift and sending this type of card, I thought it was beautiful. So what can we learn from the Wicked Uncle experience? Well, there are opportunities to connect your end users back to your clients. Sometimes when we're providing a service connecting those two folks, we think that after the transaction is done, maybe we're done. Inserting something like a pre-written, playful, funny thank you note is a way to keep the conversation going and ideally keep you involved in the conversation as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show... Yay, you! We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, 
and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience. Yes.